That's a contract. So party A says, I'm going to do this. Party B says, I'm going to do this. 50-50. We meet ourselves in the middle. That's a contract. In a covenant, it's 100-0. 100, zero. 100 zero. That's what I said last Sunday. 100-0. In other words, I bring everything plus more to the table. With no expectation of the other person. Hear me. This is, this is huge. This is huge. I bring everything to the table plus more with no expectation of the other person. Now, if two, if two people are married and they both come in with that mindset, what happens? Yeah, it's a win-win situation. It's a win-win situation. When you all bring 100%, I'm not just trying to get by with 50. To do the minimum. 100 to 0. Now, so the question was asked last Sunday that if that was the case, 100 to 0, how is the partnership or the marriage supposed to add value to the other person? Very good question. I answered it, but I think I need to re-emphasize and to remind us and to recall to us the vows we make when we are getting married. Do you guys remember the vow you made? For better or for worse. In sickness and in health. Do you all remember that? You stand before God and you make that vow and upon that vow at the end you say, I do. Which means you sign your signature. Better or worse? In poverty or in richness? And then you get married, the man loses his job. Or the wife loses his job. Trouble starts. Hello? Do you remember the covenant? So, you see, the point I'm making here is this. A few years ago, my wife and I attended a wedding. True story. Blew me completely away. We know the bride very well. But we had never met the groom until that day. And I'm looking, trying to find out where is the groom? The ceremony is going on. Where is this groom? And then finally it occurred to me. The man was standing, and there was one man to his right, another to his left, trying to hold him steady. The guy was just shaking. He was just shaking. I said, Wow. So I'm saying to myself, what did he smoke? Is he just stoned out of his mind or is he drunk? What's, what's going on? I mean, for the entire ceremony, I'm trying to figure out what is happening. Because I'd never met him before, so I did not know. Later, it occurred to me that the guy has a serious physical disability. Not temporary, terminal, and permanent. And when they pronounced them husband and wife, true story, she literally went over to where he was being held and carried him. She carried him down the steps and placed him in a wheelchair and wheeled him away. And I said to myself, dang, oh my goodness. Bank Akinmola, if you ever seen a covenant in practice, you just saw one. Amen. Marriage is not about what you can get. 
Marriage is about what you can give. Because freely you have received, freely you give. When you get something from it or in it, it's an added bonus. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. You don't understand this. I'll write a story, a true story of another situation. This man and the lady were about to get married. You know how we have those bachelor's parties? So she was having her party. He was having his party. For the woman, as they were enjoying and having this last party before the wedding, she dived into the pool and had a spinal cord injury. True story. Became paralyzed on the eve of her wedding. Now, what would you do? So she told the guy, he said, listen, this has happened. I guess this is it. I release you to go on with your life and find somebody else. And the man said, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Long story short, he went forward and married her. Now, in those two examples, these individuals knew going in what they had to deal with. Is that correct? But how about after you get married and something happens to your spouse, to your partner, an accident, some freaky illness or sickness where they are not longer able to function as they used to be? What are you going to do? Do those things happen? Yes. Is it a possibility? Yes. So what are you going to do? That's why before you ever say I do, you need to make up your mind. It is 100-0. Because you don't know what's going to happen. You don't pray for that to happen. You don't expect for that to happen. But life happens. Yes. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? Yes, sir. This is why marriage is not a 50-50 preposition. No. It's a 100-0. Bring everything plus more. To the table. And God helping us, we will have a thriving, God-fulfilling, satisfying marriage in Jesus' name. Amen. So I need to clear that up before we move forward. So I said I was going to give you five keys, five commitments that will ensure that you have a thriving family situation. Number one, I said seek God. God is number one. Seek God. Seek God. Number two, we say you fight fear. You don't fight for victory, but you fight for resolution. You fight for resolution, not for victory. You don't have an argument or like Pastor Charles said, intense fellowship. Just so you can say, I won. Yes, I was right. No, no. You fight to have a resolution. So this morning, let's move forward to number three. Number three commitment, and that is having fun all play or rather all work and no play makes this bank a dull board I don't know about you guys I don't know about you guys I have to have some fun I have to have some fun fun allows you to decompress it allows you to be in touch with reality and with life 
and to enjoy what God has given us. Yes. Many families have totally forgotten the aspect of fun. Yes. Many of our relationships have been reduced to mechanical relationships. What do I mean by mechanical relationships? We're only talking about those things that we really absolutely need to talk about. Well, did you pay the cable bill? Uh, when did the kids, when did they, when did they arrive from school? Uh, have the kids done their homework? Uh, is dinner ready? Uh, did you do your chores? And on and on and on. That's not conversation. If that's where you are right now in your family, if that's where you are right now, you need the red flag. If the only conversation that's happening in our homes are the functional must-do conversations, we're in trouble. But the good news is God can help us in Jesus' name. Amen. We have to be able to talk beyond the school's homework, the chores that need to be done, the bills that need to be paid, and the things that we have to do. Beyond that, we have to have certain things in place. Number one, things that we can have in place that will help us. Number one, FaceTime. FaceTime together. When I say FaceTime together, I'm talking about those quality times away and apart from the children when a husband and a wife can sit down and talk. FaceTime. And this time, we are not talking about paying the cable bill. We are not talking about paying the mortgage. We are not talking about the car note. We are not talking about your brake lights are out. None of those kind of stuff. FaceTime. How are you doing? How was your day? What happened? You are trying to touch base with your partner, with your spouse, with your, with your husband, with your wife. You are trying to find out what's happening in their world. Listen, so many things happen during the course of the day. You'll be surprised how we can easily be living together and yet separated. Yes. We're together, but yet we're alone. Because we don't know what's going on in their world. Husbands or wives, how do you know when you're out of touch? Let me quickly give you... Let, let me give you a clue on that. Maybe you overhear your wife on the phone talking to her friend or someone else and she says something that's happened to her that you, never, you, never, you didn't know anything about. Or the other way around. Maybe the man is talking to his friend, to his brother, his sister, whatever, and he says something to the other person on the phone that you overhear and you are hearing it for the first time. That's a clue that you are living together but yet separated. Because you have no idea what's going on in their world. So this must be intentional FaceTime when you guys come together and just find out what's going on. What's happening? Are you alright? I saw you the other day. You are like this. Is there anything I need to be aware of? That's the briefing time. That's the time you get a chance to talk heart to heart. To be connected together. To find out what's happening in each other's lives. So you are not always hearing it on Facebook or Instagram. 
So you don't have to hear it when, when they tweet it publicly. FaceTime. Now, let me be clear. FaceTime is never when you, your wife, and the children are together. That's not, that does not count. That does not count. FaceTime is the two of you alone. Valentine's week, we can just passed us a few, a couple of weeks ago. What do you guys do for Valentine? <laughs> I'm, getting, I'm getting answer from, from, from nothing. There are some important dates and times that you should mark. You should be intentional about them. Your birthday, her birthday, Valentine's, and which, whichever dates you guys agree together to do something special. Anniversaries, thank you. Very, very important. You need to, you, you, you cannot be on business trip out of town on Valentine. Tell your boss, I have to be at home. You see, you see your faith? You see your faith level? We are going to change the world, but we cannot change our companies. Ah, ah, yeah, 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 yeah. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 35, the Bible says, the good man, out of the good treasures of his heart, brings forth good treasures or good things. And that the evil man, out of the evil of their heart, brings forth evil things. So the point being is, do you believe the word of God that the heavens, even the heavens, belong unto the Lord our God and that the earth belongs to the children of men? Do you really believe that? Is this a mental thing or a heart thing? Is it because if you, if you really believe this, Right believing leads to right living. Yeah. My wife and I will have, we, we, this August, we'll be married for 40 years. But, but <laughs> now, now, those 40 years, I bear the scars on my body. I don't <laughs> And likewise on hers, but also the pleasure. But you don't get there by just taking certain things for granted. That's the point I'm making. So last week, we, we, we just checked out. We left on Thursday, came back on Saturday. We didn't go out of town, we just went to Buckhead. Just, we just went and chilled. Amen. Just to do something different. To put a spice in the relationship. If you don't invest in it, you're not going to get jacked out of it. Yeah, you've got to put something in it. Now, you, may not, you don't have to go to Buckhead. Okay, I'm not asking you to go to Buckhead. But do something. Yeah, don't, don't go home and say, Pastor Banks said go to Buckhead. <laughs> and then you start a whole new world war on... On what you think. Remember, I told you last week, don't ever tell your spouse, Pastor Bank said. <laughs> no, but the point I'm making is FaceTime, personal time, quality time, doing something different, something new. Do something. Don't be so predictable. Same old, same old, same old. 
So having fun, number one, FaceTime. Number two, side-by-side -side time. Side-by-side -side time. What do I mean by that? Side-by-side -side time are times when perhaps your spouse is going grocery shopping and you just say, you know what, honey, I'm going to hang out with you. Woo, for some of... <laughs> Some of these guys, when I can just see you right now, I say, whoa, <laughs> deliver me. Now, now, let, let me tell you this. When I said we went to Buckhead, on Thursday and on Friday, we spent a lot of time at Lennox Mall. Now, let, 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 <laughs> let, let me tell you how I did that. Now, she will tell you, and I know, I don't have the patience for going from store to stop Hopping, shopping. I just, it's, it's a grace I don't have. Okay? Because the thing about that is, she pick up an outfit and say, honey, what do you think? I say, it's good. And then she put it back there. So I'm, so, so I'm saying to myself, why are you asking me? <laughs> You're going to do exactly what you want anyway. So you're asking me, what does it look like? I say, oh, it's, it's very nice. And then she takes it, she puts it back down. I say, okay. So don't, don't ask me next time. Just do what you want to do. But this, 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 this won't work for me. So I went with her to a couple of stores, two, three stores, and then for the rest of the time, I just sat in the hallway in the mall. I said, when you're done, I'm here. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So side by side is the time that you just hang along, tag along, whatever it is they're doing. You are not 100% absorbed in it, but you are there. For me, for instance, during football season, she'll hang out with me, maybe about, I mean, watching first quarter, but in five minutes, I'll be hearing a snore. But she's there, she wants to be with me. But it's, it's, football is like tranquilizer. When she, five minutes into the game, oh, I said, well, okay. But at least, at least, she showed up. She showed up, side by side. You may not like what they are doing. You may not be interested in what they are doing, but at least for the comfort and for the support, every now and then, show up side by side. Amen? Now, this last point on the having fun you're going to really like is what I call belly-to-belly -belly ministry. Belly button to belly button ministry. Do you guys understand that? And speaking in very coded language because, because this is church time. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> now, this is very important. <laughs> oh, my goodness. We are FaceTime. We are server side time. And then we have to have belly-to-belly -belly ministry time. Amen? That's when the deep calls upon the deep. And for my women, let me just tell you this. Please, this is not a time to be wearing flannels to bed. Hello? <laughs> listen, listen, listen. You need to take a trip to Victoria's Secret. And you'll find out they don't sell flannels for you to go to bed. They have some other ideas that absolutely helps your husband be in the mood for belly-to-belly -belly ministry. Thank you, 
Ah, praise God. Now, the reason belly to belly ministry is important, all, all just in a point, apart now, this is your opportunity to renew your covenant. Remember marriage is a covenant? Okay? So whenever a man and a woman come together in a belly-to-belly ministry, it is the opportunity for you to renew the covenant. Jonathan called a covenant with David. And you're reading the scriptures in 1 Samuel chapter 24. They not just did it one time, but they renewed it. Amen? Every time we serve and partake of communion in church, as a corporate body, you just renewed your covenant with God. Yes. But because marriage is a covenant, God's way of reminding the couple of the commitment they've made to one another and of renewed our covenant is in our ability to come together in belly-to-belly ministry. Amen? A lot more can be said about that, but I don't want to go into any greater details on that in this setting. So in a couple of months, uh, we're going to do a special Saturday time, maybe like from 9 to 1 o'clock, and go over everything we've done all this month and just address certain things in greater depth and details so we have everything we need. Amen? Amen? But just suffice it to say, having fun is very, very important in your families, in your marriages. Face-to-face -face time, side-to-side -side time, and belly-button-to-belly-button -belly times. Did you get that? Yes. Number four, in building thriving families, number four, is staying pure. Staying pure. Now, staying pure is becoming more and more an issue in our time for many reasons. We have more access to vulgar materials. We have lower standards of morality. And unfortunately, we also have a sense of entitlement. Wanting the benefits of marriage without the commitment of marriage. So when we talk about purity, there are two things we need to be aware of. Number one, the outward purity. Outward purity has to do with things that we do to stay pure. Uh, in Proverbs chapter 5, verse 8. Can you give that to me, please? In the NIV. Proverbs, Proverbs 5, verse 8 in the NIV. This is what the mother of Solomon told him. Proverbs 5, verse 8, NIV. Thank you. Keep to a path far from her. Do not go near the door of her house. Go to verse 9. Yeah. Lest you give your best strength to others and your years to one who is cruel. That was the admonition she gave to Solomon about staying away from immoral things. So it's not just a matter of staying away from her. You may also have to stay away from him. Amen? In this case, she was speaking to Solomon. So she said, stay from her. But in our time, in our day, the idea, the principle, the, the message to us is stay away from anyone who will cause you to become defiled or anything that will cause you to be defiled. Secondly, 
Paul was speaking in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 in verse 18. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 18. He says, flee from sexual immorality. Flee. Notice the language. Flee. He didn't say just be casual. He said to flee. This, this is important we catch the tone and the urgency in this message. Flee, meaning if you choose not to flee, if you choose to remain, if you choose to continue to watch these terrible channels on TV, if you choose to continue to read these bad books, if you choose to continue in whatever these habits are, you are likely to become entangled. Even the best of us don't tell me that you're going to keep on doing it, watching these terrible channels, watching these terrible books, magazines, and pictures. I say, oh, I'm just praying. Praise God. I'm just I'm going to just lay my hands on this thing. I bless you. God, I bless you. I'm hey! Paul says to flee from sexual immorality. He says, all other sins a man commits are outside his body. But he who sins sexually sins against his own body. And the reason we are told to flee, verse 20, verse 20, because your body do not belong to you. Do you know that? You have been bought with a price. Jesus paid for you in full. Man, to just remember that will help us keep ourselves on the straight and narrow. The Bible says, my body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. He's purchased it. He owns it. Therefore, I'm only a steward under his control. Okay? Jesus also said in Mark chapter 9 verse 47 that we should remove offending eyes or hands. Take out your eyes if your eyes offend you. Cut your hands if we get you in trouble. Of course, it's not speaking literally. You understand that. Otherwise, all of us here, we have gouged eyes and cut hands. But the point he was making is avoid any offensive things or people so you do not bring a reproach not only to yourself, to your family, and to God. Now, in 2 Samuel chapter 11, 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 1, we see a story of outward purity that became a tragedy. In verse 1, the Bible says, In the spring, at a time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah, but David remained in Jerusalem. What a terrible thing. What a terrible mistake. Verse 2. One evening, David got up from his bed and walked down under the roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful. Lack of accountability. At a time when kings went to battle, at a time when he 
should be on the front line leading his men to battle. He said, today I'm going to chill. I'm going to stay home. And he stayed home and the enemy preoccupied him with something else. And that became a terrible tragedy in Israel. So this is the point. Outward purity. This is the point. What checks and balances have you put in place in your life so the enemy does not trip you? If you have a propensity to have stray eyes watching bad things on the internet, then you need to put a sensor on your device. You need to make sure that you have sensors on your device so you don't even go there, so that the enemy don't even use that to tempt you. One of the questions last week was the issue of uh, one of the spouses always using their phones in secrecy. They go to the toilet to use the phone. They hide their phone. They have different passcodes on it so that their wife, their husband can access it and all that stuff. Why are you doing that? What do you have to hide? Why is it that you are, what are you so protective of that your spouse or your partner cannot know or see? Ooh, this is, this is a tough terror. I can, I, just from the way you guys are looking at me, oh, bodyguards. <laughs> oh my goodness. Listen, accountability protects you it's not intended to hurt you. Rather, it's intended to protect you. Now, in saying that, though, let me, let me use the other flip side. The flip side is your partner should not be so insecure, so jealous, so feared, so scary, where every five seconds they pick up your device. Oh, who are you talking to? Who are you? And that's, if that's happening, they have a problem. They have a problem. So there must be a balance. There must be a balance. Outward purity, I'm open, I'm transparent, it's all on the table. If there's anything going on, I'm going to tell you about it so you don't have to be searching for it. Amen? But outward purity can only carry you so far. You have to understand that now. Because now let me deal with the inward purity. It is the inward purity that drives the outward purity. Psalms 119, verse 9 through 11. Psalms 119. How can a young man keep his way pure? How's that going to happen? By living according to your word. This is dealing with inward purity. When we began this message, the very first Sunday, we said to us, we must seek God. Seeking God is priority number one. Number one. And listen, I cannot tell you why this is, I cannot tell you enough why this is so important. On the video clip we just saw on the Black History Month, the senator was telling us the first Jesus she knew was who? Oh. That should remind us of our role as parents. Our homes should be the first place of spiritual activity. It is the God or the Jesus 
will demonstrate at home that will leave a marked difference in the lives of our children. And that begins with a consistent study, reading, living, demonstrating the word of God. You can't be telling your child to read the word and you're not reading it. They know that that's hypocrisy. You can't be giving them scriptures and you're not doing it. No. How am I going to stay pure? By seeking and living the word of God. Verse 10. Thank you. I seek you with all of my heart. Do not let me stray from your commandments. Verse 11. Verse 11. Thank you. I have hidden your word. Where? In my head? No, in my heart. That I might not sin against you. There's a difference between knowing it in your head and in your heart. In your head, it's just mental assent. Oh, I'm familiar with that. Yeah, yeah, I'm familiar with it. But when you know it in your heart, it's becoming part of you. So you know that this is a no-go area. In what purity helps you draw the line at the right place? Ooh. This is huge. This is huge. What I'm about to say is huge. In what purity helps you draw the line, a boundary in the right place? So for all of us in this room and those watching my TV, we all agree readily adultery is wrong. Am I in the right place? Is that correct? I just want to make sure. So for some of us, watch this, we draw the line at adultery. Adultery is wrong, so we draw that line. I will never commit adultery. It did not happen to me. That's a, that's a commendable thing. But should, can I submit to you that that's too late? Adultery does not happen in a vacuum. So you drew the line for adultery over here. But over here, you're lost in. Over here, you're fantasizing. Over here, you're flattening. And you thought the line is over there. No, no, no. That line is here. When you violate lusting, you violate fantasizing, you violate flattening, you are deceiving yourself that you've not committed adultery. You don't recognize that there are many steps before the adultery takes place and you're already in violation. Deception. So you tolerate lusting. It's all right. Oh, I can just lust. Mm, man, what a beautiful woman. You can fantasize. Oh my God, I can just see it. Flirt. Touching, rubbing, all of that stuff. Well, I've not come to that adultery yet. It, 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 it can't be too bad. It can't be too bad. You justify all these other ones. You're waiting for adultery. Do you see what the fallacy that is? Do you see how we are deceived? Ah, you guys are not with me today at all. <laughs> Let me just preach to myself. Bang, this is for you. I don't know about these guys. This is for you. Look at Joseph. We talk about outward purity and inward purity. Let's read it. Joseph, Genesis 39, verse 7. 
Genesis 39 verse 7. Thank you. And after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. Can you get any plainer than that? Verse 8. But he refused. Question, what did he refuse? What did he refuse? In what purity? For many of us here, many, many of us, we are not doing it because there's no opportunity. Oh, yeah. Oh, I can see it in your eyes. Many of us, we are not doing it because there's no opportunity. If a beautiful woman corners you somewhere, some of you here, some of you looking at me, if a beautiful woman corners you, I say, come on. Let's go do it. You look around. Okay, is there anybody looking? You're gone. You're gone. Joseph had the opportunity. But the Bible said he refused. Why? Because of the inward purity. Your words have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. I don't care who's looking or who's not looking. It's about integrity. I'm what I am in private as I am in public. He refused. And then he preached to her. With me in charge, he told her. My master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. Oh my God. Read on. No one is better in this house than I am. Whoa. Oh my goodness. My master has withheld nothing from me except you. Boundary. Boundary. This is the boundary. Everything in this house under my care except you. Because you are his wife. You are in covenant with him. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? In what purity? Next verse. Watch this. And though she spoke to Joseph day after day. So, so you see this situation. When we read this normally, we just read it so quickly. Watch. It was not a one-time thing. This woman was desperate. She was sent from hell. Men, listen to me. There are some women walking with you. Satan sent them. And women, there are some men walking with you. All they see is your tail, not how you are. They want to destroy you, defile you, corrupt you. You must understand that. Day after day after day, this woman did not relent. And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. Oh my God. There's so much I can say about this. So much. This is the reason in my office, when I'm speaking to a woman by themselves, I leave my door cracked open to protect me and them. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. The only person that's talking to me for which the door is shut in my office will be my wife or my daughter. Any other person that is a woman 
even if you are transgender. I said, leave that door cracked open because I don't know when I have to run out of the room. It's true. Especially today. All it takes is one allegation. And all the reputation you built for 40 years destroyed by one whisper. It's gone out of the window. So Joseph refuses to even be with her. Thank God for the blessed memory of Reverend Billy Graham. Thank God for that mighty general in the kingdom of God. Whenever that man goes to any hotel for any meeting, he has two sets of people check the room before he ever enters it. The true story. An advanced team goes and checks the room, make sure there's no stranger, nothing. And then when he arrives, they do it again. Because we live in the USA and there are some crazy people. Yes. I mean loonies. Yes. I used to wonder, why would, why would it go to that extent? Until I, until I know what happened to Jimmy Swaggart. Right here in Atlanta, at the Omni Hotel. Where they planted the woman in this room before he got there. Nothing happened. She, he, didn't, he didn't violate himself. If nothing else, the woman got born again. Because Paul Jim was in the room just praying up his tongue before the crusade. Praying, praying, praying. And the woman said, my God! <laughs> she ran out of that room. Yeah. But God delivered him. What I'm just saying to you, listen, don't take any chances. Don't take any chances. So Joseph, oh, let's, let's read, finish the story. Verse 11. This is the end of the story. One day, he went into the house to attend to his duties and none of the household servants was inside. This is trouble. So on this particular day, after having refused this woman several times, all the, the overtures, many times in the past he refused. On this day, she got him trapped. They were alone in the house. He said, now today I'll catch you. Today is your, I will, today I will finish you today. Grab him. He just take off and do, took off his jacket and said, hold my jacket, I'm gone. How could he do that? Over these years, over the days of the pressure, what, how could he stand? He could only stand because the word of God was in him. Not just in his head, in his heart. We need to stay pure. We stay pure, pure by inward purity, receiving the word of God in our heart, and out of the word of God we receive, we leave it out by putting some, place, some things in place, some checks and balances in place. That keep us pure before God. Now, wow, my time is flying very fast. What are the possible responses once purity is breached? Because we live in a real world. And I'm aware that sometimes purity becomes breached. In other words, your partner, your spouse, your husband, your wife, someone in your life has done something that's breached the trust. Of your relationship. Any of three things can happen. Number one, we can become defensive. Defensiveness means not taking responsibility. 
making excuses. I did it because you did. I had uh, a pastor friend of mine years ago had one of his aides fall into terrible acts of immorality. Uh, this particular guy got three women pregnant at the same time. It almost killed this man of God. No, 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 seriously. It almost killed him. And you guys need to know this. Ministers are not exempt from some of I mean, this man, the way he, the way he agonized, you would think it was him that did the thing. But this is the bottom line. When he finally called the, boy, the man and said, what happened? All he did was make excuses. He said, this woman made me feel like a king anytime I was with them. And that my wife never, he did not even give me the time of the day. Being defensive. Making excuses. Making excuses. Number two. Number two. We can become remorseful. Being remorseful is a deep feeling of sorrow. And guilt for one's wrongdoing. Usually because they are caught. Being remorseful, usually, it's as a result of you are caught. Your hands in the cookie jar. Caught! So, being remorseful, you're looking for relief. Rather than you hating the act. Judas is such an example. He was remorseful. He was remorseful. Not because he had a change of heart, but because of what he found himself caught in. That is not a good response. So it's not good to be defensive. It's not good to be remorseful. The only recourse when we've breached trust, violated trust, integrity in a relationship is repentance. Repentance. Repentance simply means a complete change of mind based on truth. We see this in Acts 20, verse 21, Acts 26, verse 20. Acts 20, 21, Acts 26, 20. I'm not going to go there. I've given you the scriptures. The prodigal son in Luke chapter 15 is a powerful example of repentance. He returns home after having come to the revelation of his wrongdoing, he moved away from the lifestyle and returned to his father. So whenever we breach purity in any way, in any form, we need to be repentant. Lastly, in five keys, very quickly now, this is going to be very quick. Lastly, so number one, we said seek God. Number two, we said fight fear. Number three, we said have fun. Number four, we said live pure. And now lastly, number five, never give up. Never give up. He said, Pastor, what do you mean never give up? This guy is not going to change. This woman is bent on destruction. She's never going to change. You want me to just hang in there and be tolerant of a relationship that's going to kill me and destroy me and my family? No, that's not what I'm saying. 
I am saying you never give up on God's ability to give you a God-honoring, God-satisfied, God-fulfilling marriage. You never, ever give up on God being able to change your situation. Never. Three things quickly that will help us in never giving up. And this is found in Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 and 9. Number one, we must understand that we reap what we sow. We reap what we sow. This is so basic and so true. We reap what we sow. So you say, well, I want my husband to be more loving. I want my husband to be more caring. I want my husband to be more generous. I want my husband to be more gentle. On and on and on. It's all of our laundry list, what we want our husband to be. Or our wives for that matter. Good. How do I get there? Start sowing the things you want. Oh, that is so difficult. You didn't even pay attention. Start sowing what you are looking to reap. So if I want my wife to be more loving, how do I get that to happen? I start sowing love. I start sowing love. If I want her to be more generous, what do I need to do? Start sowing generosity. If I want my wife to be more caring, don't keep on yelling. Kia, kia, kia. Share on kia. Share on kia. Share on kia. No, no. Don't become a song. No. Share on kia, 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 kia. What, what? That's nonsense. No. No. You don't preach to her about how she needs to care. Don't preach to him about how he needs to care. Nobody's going to listen to you. The only way you bring that change, sow what you want. So I want my wife to care. I start sowing care into her life. I start sowing care into her life. After a while, the light will come on. Listen, either you believe the word of God or you don't. And if you don't believe the word of God, you become part of statistics. And that's one place we don't want to go. The only thing that's going to keep you, sustain you, and give you fulfilling satisfaction is the word. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. And the word is God. I mean, in the beginning, the word of God, that's how God created the earth. There was nothing here. He used his word to create what you're seeing. So use, use the word of God to recreate the environment you desire. If you're constantly telling your spouse, you just don't care. You just, you're just so useless. You're such a stupid person. Well, if that's what you saw, that's what you're going to get. You call her stupid, she'll manifest stupidness. You call her foolish, absolutely. That's what you're going to get. Because path, life and death is in your mouth. What you call is what you're going to see. So the change you desire in your house, start sowing that change. Ah, oh, my husband is so impatient. My goodness, he just, he just has no patience. Patience. You start sowing patience. This is a spiritual, folks. And man, let me tell you something. Let me give you a secret. Women are multipliers. Women are multipliers. That's, fa that's a fact. No, it's not a fact. It's a truth. If you give them love, 
they multiply and give you a child. Think about that. You go to the grocery store and bring a bag of groceries and put it on the table. You go play tennis and come back, it becomes a meal. They've multiplied it. You give them plenty of love, you get six children. But, on the other hand, you give them a hard time, they give you hell. They multiply it. So very simply, whatever you give them, expect for them to multiply it. That's the truth. So number one, you reap what you sow. Number two, you reap where you sow. You reap where you sow. So husbands, you want your marriage to improve, you want it to thrive, but you are sowing in your career. We can't get you off the computer. Walk, 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 and walk, 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 and walk, walk, walk. Well, because you are sowing to walk, you get better at work. But your marriage is falling apart. Why? Because you reap where you sow. So you spend time with the children. It's just you and the kids. You and the kids. You and the kids. We go to the ball game. We go to dinner. We go to the movie. You and the kids. Your wife, you just leave her in the kitchen. Cook, cook, cook. Wife, cook. Wife, cook, cook. You and the kids are spending time. You reduce your wife to, to uh, KFC or McDonald's and just manufacture food. But you don't spend time with her. It's just you and the kids. Yeah. The kids will be endeared to you, but you lose your wife. You lose your wife. You not only reap what you sow, you reap where you sow. Yep. So, if you don't like what you are getting, look at what you are giving. If you don't like what you are getting, look what you are giving. So men are saying, well, my wife is not responsive. It's time for belly ministry, but she's just not ready. She's, she, she's always not ready. She has a headache tonight, and tomorrow is a, a cramp. Next time is this. Or laundry list. Every day there's a different problem. Today's headache. Tomorrow is stomach trouble. Next day is a cramp. On and on. You know why she's giving all those leaves? You're not showing the right seats. You're not showing the right seats. You cannot legislate belly ministry. Belly ministry cannot be legislated. It must be inspirational. You inspire her and get her ready. Get her looking. Get her anticipating by all the other little things you've done during the day. Don't just come and say, I'm the man. Oh, yeah, open the door. Come into the room. Yes, honey, are you ready for me? Say, no, I'm not ready. Absolutely not. She will tell you to go back and, 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 and romance your work. Go and romance your golf playing. Yeah. Amen. Last point. Last point. And this is important. Husband and wife, you need to come together and agree that your marriage 
is worth fighting for. You both need to agree and say, you know what? Our marriage is worth fighting for. And therefore, you never give up on having a God-honoring marriage. Why? Because Galatians chapter 6 verse 9 says, Be not weary in well-doing, for you reap if you faint not. Amen? Amen? Hallelujah. Father, I want to thank you for this privilege to bring your word to your people. We've been on this message now for a whole month. We know our families are at various levels of development. And some of us have struggles. Others of us are having a good time. Our desire is to make our homes the foundational place of your spiritual activity. Where husbands love their wives. Wives respect their husbands. And together, husband and wives, we give loving care and protection and provision to our children. And to those of our families that are parenting alone, we receive your grace and we thank you that you guide them, you bless them, you help them. And for our singles, that you make us so whole and complete that we'll honor you and just bless you. We know that the families are the key to the change we're looking in the world. And so, Father God, we thank you right now. We bless you for every home. You are the Father in heaven upon whom all the families in heaven and earth are named. And so, Father, we commend our families to you, to your care, your hedge of protection, that the enemy will not come and break down that hedge to bring destruction, defilement, and corruption, pain to our homes. Where we've been hurt, we receive your healing. Where we need restoration, we thank you for the mending. We bless you, Lord Jesus, that the healing has begun, that we are whole, we are complete, and we will demonstrate the love of God to the world in which we live. We thank you, Lord. We honor you this evening. In Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now comes. Thank you. Now comes the time for Q&A. As you see, the mics are already in position. If anybody has any questions or comments, uh, this will be time for us to take it. If my wife would just join me on the platform, and I also want to, yes. Um, excuse me. I would like to also say, I want to throw the challenge to some of the couples that are here with us. I want to sit. Uh, like we did last week, any couple, that's been married 10 years and under. I want to invite you to come here. Don't be afraid. I'm not going to ask any questions. I'm not going to put anything on you that's, that, that, that you are not able to bear, okay? 10 years and under. You want to share with us? Any couple. And then 10 years and over. Over. Over 10 years. Husband and wife. Any takers? Okay, good. Leon, salvation. Thank you. Come to my right. Any couples 10 years and over? Okay, if you don't volunteer, I may, I may volunteer you. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Did you hear the announcement, sir? I need two sets of couples. Okay. One set 10 years. <laughs> He's over 10 years. Oh, you're over 10 years? Oh. Pardon me? Almost 14. 
Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know that. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. My apologies. My apologies. My apologies. My apologies. Okay, so Revelation is married to Selwyn, just in case, so you guys will know. But obviously, she must have some questions. Some, we are taking questions anonymously because some of you guys don't want to be recognized. We understand that. So for those of you who sent your questions either through WhatsApp or in writing, she's reading them, and then perhaps somebody else should read them. Miss Revelation. Yes, sir. Yeah, maybe you should read them up here. Yeah, thank you. Why don't you read it up here? Oh, Pierre can read it? Okay. Okay. So from the floor, any questions from the floor? Where's that question from? The house or online? Online question? Online oh, I'm streaming. Okay. okay. Good. Is this mic on? Yeah, okay. Does the enemy send counterfeits right before God sends the spouse he truly has for you? Okay, let me make sure I understand the question. Does the enemy send counterfeits before you find who God has for you? First of all, right before, okay. Before we, before we go there, let, let's keep that question in mind. Something just came to my heart just now. For those of you guys that have been here, you've married less than 10 years and over 10 years. Let me start with you. Has marriage been everything you had expectation of in the... In the any, any surprises since you guys... <laughs> Uh, you've been surprises, yes. Been yes. Um, I was laughing because the first year I thought I was spectacular, but then at the end of the year I asked him a question. So has in first year, and he's very good at giving positive answers all the time. But he was like, "It was good, but," and unfortunately, I'm a but person. So for the last after that, it was like a lot of things. I thought I was doing everything perfect in my understanding for him, but there were certain things that he needed that I wasn't providing. I thought I, w I was doing everything, so okay. th that was the surprise that I had that first day after asking that. Okay, good. Very good. How about you guys? Was marriage everything you thought? I mean, re remember, okay, the reason I'm asking that question is as a spin-off from the question that came online. Okay, so as singles, we all have all these expectations. I want my husband to be like this. I want my wife to be like this. Uh, making six figures, Prince Charming, six feet five, 250 pounds, a place for the Atlanta Falcons, uh, and on and on and on. So we have all this picture in our minds of what we want them to be like. So my question is, after you finally got married, because listen, what you are saying in just making phone calls, and going to movies and dinner, it's not the same when you start living together 24 7. So that's why I'm asking. So, have you guys, how do you guys, is it, was it everything you thought? Hmm? For me, there was no surprise. There was no surprise? No. Okay. How about you? No surprise. No surprise. Oh, praise God. These are one of the rare, the rarest couples that we've ever found on the earth. And I want to explain why I said there was no surprise. Okay. For me, there was no surprise because you, you made some, you made some adjective. Oh, he's tall, he's all that. 
for me before I got married, those things didn't matter to me. Okay. That was not the way I went into marriage. Okay. I was one people I don't believe when they say love is blind. I didn't do that. I believe that love has eight glasses. I looked at everything. I listened to everybody that I felt had the I sat down under Pastor Banker, Pastor Sharon, and spent time. You know, I my younger girls I speak to will tell you I say all the time, love don't pay no bills and swagger will not take care of my children. Um, <laughs> this is I just I guess when I was the planner, I wrote everything down. I tried to learn from older women as much as possible. I believe that before you get into marriage, you take your time and you get tools that will help you in marriage. Love is good. Love is important. But love is not going to pay any of your bills. Um, so I was expecting, I was not expecting all roses. So okay. when things happened, I was not surprised. Okay, so because I knew that things were going to happen. Okay. I'm different. He's different. I knew we were going to butt heads. But I knew that when it got there and I may not have the right things, I knew who to. I remember sometimes something would happen and he would tell me, I know you've called Pastor Charles. I said, you, and you know it. Because I knew we both agreed that this is the couple that we are going to submit to. Correct. So when anything happens, because listen, you get married. I'm speaking English, and he's speaking English, and we don't understand each other. Right. You will need a third party who both of you trust, both of you can submit to. Not somebody that will take my side or will take his side. So, this, so when you said, was I surprised? No. I expected that one day I want to kill him. <laughs> I, and I knew that one day he would want to kill me. Because I knew, so I didn't go into marriage with rose-colored glasses, or that's why we say that we were not surprised. Okay, good. So now, let's go back to the question. Is it possible that the enemy will send you someone that's a counterfeit before you're can you, you want to take that? Will the enemy send you someone that's a counterfeit before, before the right person, person comes along? Yes. I believe that you will encounter um, different people that come into your life that may not be the right person. In my case, I did encounter the wrong person. But I thank God for a praying mother and a praying father. Amen. They insisted that was not the person for me. Now, let me go back and tell you parents, usually when you go to your children, you tell them, no, 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 that is not the one or whatever. That's the one that usually they draw closer to. So you have to use tactics. You have to actually just stay in the spirit wisdom. realm, wisdom and tactics and uh, uh, sharing with your children. Now, if my parents would have just, um, but my parents fought a good fight. They said, no, 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 no. <laughs> and I thank God that they did because after that person left my life, I believe God sent the right person, which is best today. Amen. Amen. So the answer to that question is, yes, the enemy will always show you the counterfeit. But like I, also, like I always say, just when you think of the banking system, you don't try to know the counterfeit by studying counterfeit. When you work in the bank, and they're trying to teach the bank tellers how to recognize good money, they don't bring counterfeits to teach them. They show them good money. 
to buy learning and knowing good money, when they see the counterfeit, they will immediately recognize it. So what I'm saying to us is, you need to learn godly virtues and understand godly virtues. Once you have godly virtues pat down, when something as a pretender, a sheep in wolf's clothing, when it show up, you immediately will be able to call it for what it is. Amen? So you don't try to learn by looking at the negative. You learn by really knowing the positive godly virtues and then you take it from there. Amen? Any other comments or questions? I'm not going to keep it ongoing forever. So, Anybody else? Wow. So was it that good? <laughs> huh? Going? Oh, the senator. Oh, this is going to be a big one. <laughs> Do I need to call the governor to answer this question? No, I'm just <laughs> I was just going to say, I thought I heard you say, um, come August, you'll have 40 years? Yes, as a couple. Okay, as, as mean, a married couple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll be 40 years in August. Okay, well, July, I'll have 42. Beat you. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Amen. Amen. And seriously, we need to celebrate those victories more. Not just for me or my wife or for Senator. Our world today is changing fast. The average marriage today lasts three years. Three. So if you are already above three, you are, you are, you, you are doing, you, are, you need to clap for yourself already. <laughs> Amen. Seriously, so, 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 yeah, the, let's really appreciate what God is doing among us and uh, praise God. Yes. Good. Dante. All right. I already know you. <laughs> um, good question. Um, you guys been together for 13, 10, and 40. I've been with my girlfriend for three years. And I, I, for how many years? Three? Three. Okay. Um, how, I don't want to see everybody who's giving this bad attention. Um, <laughs> the key is to keeping a relationship strong, in a sense. But um, when you get married, do you think it, it got stronger? And, you know, you don't even think about counting the years after that. It's just something that's natural, in a sense. Because you don't have to. Very, like, very good question. The question is, after you get married, does your relationship become stronger or otherwise? Is that what I'm hearing? You don't even, that's right. You don't have a calendar and just, okay, wow, you're number one, you're number two. No, no, no. Okay, good. Before, Lee, let me hear from you first. Um, does it get better? Does it get better? Um, it does. It does. Um, I would. I would say that as far as what makes it stronger, the the thing is, is that you can't run. Once you're married, you're married. You know. Um, <laughs> you know. You know. You know. In in premarital relationships, there's always the option of well, I you know I don't want to deal with you anymore. Um, and you, you have the opportunity to break up, and there's almost no cost to it. Um, in marital relationships, you can't. 
you know. Um, it's, there's so many ramifications that come with divorce. And so you're, you're always thinking about, okay, if I can't leave this marriage, what can I do to improve this marriage? You know, and there's two things that you always got to keep in mind, at least that I keep in mind. One is that God gave my spouse to me. So, you know, so I can't, you know, if, if I decide to leave her one day, I am being unfaithful to the God who gave wow. her to me. Um, the other thing that, I, that, I, that you have to keep in mind is that the grass is never greener on the other side. We talk a lot about um, counterfeits before you get married. What about counterfeits when you are married? When all of a sudden the, the, the person that you're working with, the person that you're going to school with, seemingly has the qualifications that you've been looking for in your spouse. And you always have to be mindful that the, the grass is not green on the other side, but God gave your spouse to you for a reason. Not only did he give your spouse to you, Every area that you fall short in, your spouse is your strength. Every area that you are strong in, your spouse has your weakness. One of the, my, my, my wife loves gifts. You know, that is, that is her go-to thing. That is her love language is gifts. I hate going shopping, you know. So my, the challenge to me always is to give, is to love my spouse the way that she wants to be loved, which is a challenge for me. So you never get, you're, you're not going to be married to the person that, um, that you are compatible with as far as love language, you know, in my guesstimation. You're always going to be joined to the person that's going to challenge you in every area to improve you, not to destroy you. Amen. And uh, I just want to... Um for us being married for a long time, um, stay grounded in the word. Um, when, I, um, when I got to know my father-in-law, he had a Bible that said, um, reading this will help you, will stop you from sinning. And um, sinning will stop you from reading. And I remember that uh, Bible to this day where we've, We've gone through a lot as a, as a family, as a husband and wife, and God never gives up on you, so I can never give up on my family. Amen. So that's, that's basically. Okay, one last word on that. I'm never going to go because nobody else is out on the mic. Let me just say this. Oh, you have something? Okay. The question from Dante is, does it get stronger? And I can tell you that the history that you have together with your spouse, yep. Yep. good or bad, Gets you stronger. Yes, sir. Amen. Yes, sir. Amen. Let, let me explain that to you. When you're married, you have issues, you have challenges, you hurt one another, uh, you do things to one another that, that's just, that's not good. But over the years, as you have the correct response to those challenges, you fight fear for resolution, not for victory. And you do the repenting that is needful. That history helps to solidify that relationship. Rather than that history tearing you apart, it brings you together. Because you say, you know, Sharon, oh yeah, I know her. Bank, yes, I know him. 
We've been here and there and there. God has brought us from here to here to here. Oh, yeah. That God that brought us from here to here, that same God will take us all the way. So he builds an Ebenezer, a memorial, a remembrance that helps you know no matter what we're going through now, based on the history of what we went through in the past, will will prevail. So yes, it gets stronger. Absolutely. Brother Sunday, and then that's the last one, and then we're going to wrap it. Let me allude to that um, very uh, great illustration that you just gave us. Um, I, I stand in this marriage today by the grace of God. Everybody that said it started strong, I didn't stand strong. I don't even know what's the meaning of marriage when I marry. I was just, I was more in the world than anything. And the friends that I have around me are in the world. Yet I have a lady that I love. But I don't know the meaning of marriage or the responsibility. Hmm. But I went into it. Like this young man said, it was a challenge. But you have to make a choice. I made a choice. The vow, I have two vows. The first time I married my wife, we went to the court. We just grabbed a friend, let's go to the court and get married. <laughs> and then we did it. And then a couple of weeks after, I was hearing the voice of God said, I need to solemnize this marriage with the presence of a pastor and in a church. And I did that. That was when I, my road to marriage and clarity came to, to my mind. Hmm. Marriage is it's not a child's play. I have grown. I have learned. And just like what you said, Pastor Bank, I look at the mistakes that I've done, I did, and I make sure I don't repeat it. Amen. Because the thing about it is, I have friends who have failed in marriages, very successful. Some nearly commit suicide when they've lost everything. The children, the golden parachute that they think they had before, hmm. gone away. And then they are left, their life is empty. Hmm. And I can see the joy of marriage in some faces. If you are not happy in your marriage, it will show your face. It's not difficult to know. And the only thing that you just tell her is it gets better. Amen. The husband and the wife has to make a choice. Do we want to make this work? Absolutely. Absolutely. But the most important thing that I worked for me was we took God as the number one. Amen. And that was what I sustained our marriage. Amen. Every other thing you can put, put it on paper, you want to think about it, but if you don't put God as the head of your household, Amen. and then the, the two of you start working in that area, Amen. things that you don't ask for, it will happen. Amen. Naturally, it will just happen. Amen. You will do those things without any, without struggling. Amen. You will get the result reciprocally Amen. without any, even fighting for it. Amen. Because it's what you want to fight for that you don't get. Amen. But what you put into it by prayer and by the example.